welcome to Daily Interlake News Now. I'm your host, Taylor Inman. We're taking a look at some of last week's biggest headlines and what's coming up for the Flathead Valley. This week for our deep dive segment, I'm chatting with meteorologist Dave Noble with the National Weather Service in Missoula, who gives us a preview of their summer outlook report and what kind of weather is coming our way. But first, here are some headlines. The Flathead Warming Center closed its overnight shelter operations on Sunday, wrapping up its busiest winter season ever, where it served more than 350 people. The shelter provides 50 beds at its North Meridian Road facility for those in need from October through April. Director Tanya Horn described the past season as a roller coaster ride. With an influx of 73 new volunteers, she attributed the bump in community involvement to a letter issued by Flathead Com- County Commissioners criticizing the shelter and other Valley nonprofits. The January letter described the warming center and other social service providers working to address homelessness in the area as exacerbating the problem. The commissioner said that charities were enabling a homeless lifestyle and called on residents to cease supporting such organizations. Although the 354 individuals who slept at the shelter over the course of the colder months represent only a slight uptick from the previous year, Horn said that demands each day was much higher than they had previously seen. The shelter had to turn away people 364 times to avoid overcrowding this winter, nearly double the amount from the previous season. First responders brought people into the shelter on an emergency basis 149 times, according to shelter statistics. Starting next week and extending through the summer months, the Warming Center will offer services on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays during the daytime from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. Guests will still be able to shower, eat, laundry, and access social workers and computers. Horn thinks that Kalispell residents will notice an uptick in homeless people on the streets in the coming months and hopes that they will realize the value of having an emergency shelter in the city. The Flathead County Animal Shelter is at capacity in encouraging adoptions by waiving fees. Flathead County Public Information Officer Kim Greiser said in an email, the shelter has been teetering on reaching capacity for a while. It's a no-kill shelter that currently has 42 dogs and no open kennels. Greiser said animal shelter officials have reported more people surrendering their dogs due to rising costs. With prices skyrocketing for things like essentials, for essentials like food and medicine for pets, to people losing shelter themselves, they are grateful people would rather surrender than totally abandon their pets. For a limited time, the shelter is waiving their $100 adoption fee. There will still be a $45 charge for a lifetime county license. All adopted dogs and puppies have their vaccinations, age-appropriate heartworm tests and parasite prevention, sterilization surgery, microchip implants, and a free veterinary exam certificate for participating clinics. For more information about the shelter, the dogs, or adoption, call the shelter at 406-752-1310. See photos of adoptable pets online at the shelter's website. Galvanized by a controversial development that is nearing completion despite deep community opposition, owing in part to a lack of regulations, Lakeside residents are attempting to zone a portion of the unincorporated town in the surrounding residential area. In conjunction with the Flathead County Planning and Zoning Department, residents involved with the Upper West Shore Alliance recently held two informational meetings about efforts to zone part of the community. Concerns about zoning took off during the course of last year, spurred on by the news of a development of an alpine coaster just north of Lakeside on US-93. The coaster property is unzoned like the majority of Lakeside. At that meeting, county planning and zoning employees recommended residents reference the Lakeside Neighborhood Plan, created in 2010, as a way to expedite the process to secure zoning, which can take around two years. The area they are specifically looking at zoning starts at Spring Creek Road and goes south to Bernie Creek Road, extending westward to around Deer Creek Road. Marty Sunday, who helped organize the meetings and was elected to the Lakeside Community Council this week, said the campaign to secure zoning is a result of neighbors deciding to take action. Because they voiced concern, they studied the rules, they showed a lot of support together. 
this pattern here, and and uh, and that worked. So what what we were advised to do is we wanted to go faster and not start all over again in a like a two-year process. Is to take what everybody remembered as this original lakeside plan and try to see if people would consider zoning what you see that's not yellow. He said they are already starting the process of gathering names and addresses of residents and getting their opinion about what zoning and designation they think their lot would fall under, like residential or commercial, for example. It's necessary for the process of creating new zoning, which will be completed when the proposal eventually goes before the Flathead County Commissioners. For more information about zoning in Lakeside, contact the Flathead Planning and Zoning Department at 406-751-8200. Their website also contains information about zoning data and Flathead County zoning regulations, among other pertinent resources. Read those full stories at dailyinterlake.com. Now it's time for our deep dive segment, and this week I'm chatting with the National Weather Service meteorologist for the Missoula office, Dave Noble, who is giving us a sneak peek in an upcoming report that looks at what weather conditions are predicted for the summer. I'm on the phone with Dave right now, who's been putting together the Summer Outlook Report. Uh, what kind of predictions are we seeing for the rest of spring and for summer, Dave? Well, you know, I just want to start off with uh, this past winter was was a pretty chilly one, especially like, you know, November uh, and, into like January. And this was our last uh, La Nina of three. And so we were getting out of La Nina and quickly are transitioning into El Nino. Uh, there's a 63% chance of El Nino developing by the summer. Uh, that comes from the Climate Prediction Center out of the East Coast. And they're also saying that um, May could be leaning towards warmer than average and with an equal chance for below or above average precip. And looking into June and you know going into July, uh, <clears throat> the Climate Prediction Center is also saying uh, it's leaning 33 to 40% milder for Northwest Montana and 40 to 50% leaning below average. Um, so, and then, so that's like the overall prediction from the Climate Prediction Center. Uh, when you look at the drought conditions, the uh, drought monitor just came out with their new addition today. And now they're labeling Northwest Montana, especially Flathead County and portions of Eastern Lincoln County uh, in a severe drought, uh, so severe drought conditions, and then moderate drought conditions elsewhere in western Montana. Yeah, we, we're getting some good rain right now, but we'll need more to get out of those drought conditions, I know. Um, with the warm spell we just had, I was I was considering going ahead and planting some more stuff in my garden, especially since last year we didn't even start planting until June. Yeah, you know, last spring was one of the coldest springs on record for Kalispell, Northwest Montana. And, and I believe some of that had to do with La Nina. It was, it was actually so cold that the bees were sleeping when they should have been working. And some of the cherry blossoms were not able to get pollinated uh, in time uh, through Mother's Day because it was so cold. You know, bees need, I think, temperatures above 53 degrees to, to work. And uh, they saw a lower yield of, of the cherry crops last year because of that. But, but this year, when you look at the data, um, I looked at, you know, some of these transition years to El Nino, and 10 out of 14 Mays were drier than average, and there was uh, 10 out of 14 were warmer. So uh, for May, which is kind of interesting, you know, we don't really have much research right now for correlating the uh, El Nino for the summer, but so I'm just purely looking at the data 
And the, the data would also suggest like June for Kalispell, which is our wettest month of the, of the year, 11 out of the 14 uh, so-called transitions to El Nino were drier than average. And uh, nine out of 14 were warmer. So that kind of matches the Climate Prediction Center's outlook uh, potentially for that drier and warmer June. Could, could you really quickly explain El Nino and El Nino? Sure. You know, uh, there, there's an energy balance that goes on around the world. And sometimes uh, ocean water temperatures in one region can get above average. And that above average water temperatures can really offset the energy balance, uh, causing the atmospheric circulations to be different. So in El Nino, uh, the, the ocean waters in the equatorial Pacific between the Dateline and South America are usually above average. So you have all that warmer than average water. It likes to rise quicker, you know, it has more buoyancy. Uh, you have moisture getting uh, injected into the atmosphere. So you have more thunderstorm activity, uh, especially you can see that in Peru. Uh, you can also see it along the uh, uh, equator. And then in a La Nina, you have the opposite. You have cooler than average temperature water, like along that from Dateline to South America, and that suppresses uh, thunderstorm activity. And so if you if you were in El Nino this year, and if you if you look at a sea surface temperature anomaly map right now, it's it's looking pretty El Nino-ish with a really warm anomaly right off the coast of South America. I mean, it's very, I mean, your, your eyes are just drawn to it. Wow, look at that, you know? Um, and then the, the other side of the coin is uh, on the western side of the, of the Pacific, the waters are also warmer than average. And that could actually mean more typhoons uh, potentially this year. And that could actually uh, affect our weather. And I could tell you more about that later and some of your other questions. Yeah, we hear those terms every year, but um, it gets confusing about what they mean. So thank you. Um, So what are some overall trends that you guys have seen for spring and summer, either anecdotally or from some reports that you guys have? Sure. You know, looking at the data, uh, spring temperatures have been trending cooler, uh, slightly cooler since the 90s. And also for precipitation, uh, we've seen an increased trend for the spring months since like the 1970s. And I would say that some of the different phases of the El Nino-La Nina oscillation can help explain some of that variance. Um, and like we said before, last year, Kalispell had their coldest spring of record, you know, and that was happening during the La Nina uh, sort of pattern. You know, for the summer, uh, we've seen a slight increase in the frequency of 80 degree or warmer days since the late 90s, uh, especially for the Flathead Valley. Uh, and there's been a slight increase in the frequency of 90 degree days or more or warmer since the late 90s. Uh, but when you look at the data back in the 60s and 70s, there was another uptick in the frequency of 90 degree days or, uh, or warmer, which is kind of interesting to see that. Uh, and then for summer, there's been a drying trend since the mid 1990s uh, across Northwest Montana. Um, and then when you look at the overall temperatures, you know, there's been a slight warming trend since the early 90s uh, across northwest Montana. Uh, how do cyclones and typhoons in the Pacific affect the weather up here? In El, in El Nino years, the water temperatures along the equatorial Pacific are warmer 
And so what that does is it causes the tropical cyclones to develop sooner and further east, uh, you know, well, well east of the Philippines uh, toward the dateline. And these typhoons can actually get stronger and become super, super typhoons. And they can, you know, almost, almost equivalent to like a category five hurricane in the Atlantic. Um, sometimes they will recurve north of Japan and move up towards the Bering Sea and sometimes move all the way around uh, towards Alaska and North America. And what those typhoons do sometimes, if they can phase with a, you know, a low pressure system coming out of uh, Siberia or China, is that they can really uh, strengthen the jet stream and wiggle the jet stream downstream and causes, it kind of causes the, uh, you know, these hot ridges sometimes can develop over us. And a perfect example, 2015, um, we had an unusually active tropical cyclone or typhoon season already, um, and they were already messing up the jet stream downstream. Well, it caused a, a, a really hot ridge to develop in the western U.S., and Kalispell had their warmest June on record in 2015. And see, in the, later that year, El Nino really developed uh, in gusto. So those those tropical cyclones, they caused the jet stream to wiggle. We had our hot ridge. Um, I think Kalispell got up to 102 uh, June 28th of 2015. Um, and then that ridge kind of retrograded into July, but there was still a lot of uh, typhoon activity into July. Well, what that did was it caused this low to come out of Alaska and basically sit right over California for a few days. And that system caused the our area to have increased fire activity or increased lightning activity, which caused new fire starts. You know, when you look at the 2015 season as a whole, like that, that right there, that week, week and a half of thunderstorms, dry and wet thunderstorms, you know, if we didn't have that, our fire season wouldn't have been as impressive in 2015. Uh, but because the upstream effects of the tropical cyclones dislodged that low down here to California, we were able to get these uh, frequent thunderstorm activity for like a week. Is there anything interesting about spring and summer weather up here that I haven't mentioned yet that you want to talk about? Sure. So, you know, uh, sometimes, um, you know, these long range predictions for the summer uh, can be kind of broad, uh, you know, and sometimes, you know, if we look at the data, sometimes there are things that pop out at you. So for me, when I looked at the data for Northwest Montana, you know, some of the things that I saw were that, you know, May and June of these transitions to El Nino years, uh, a lot of them were, were warmer and drier. But then when you get into July and August, uh, it was pretty impressive. Like in August, 10 out of the 14 transition years were wetter in, in August and actually cooler than average. Uh, and, you know, and, and I think some of that is shows up in some of the correlation data. Um, you know, we look at other correlation maps where they're trying to correlate the ENSO or the El Nino with it. And some of it does show potential for increased um, thunderstorm activity. Uh, in July and August. But then when you look at the data beyond that, like August and September, like August there were wetter, uh, September uh, was split down the middle, and then October uh, it was showing cooler and drier, and then November was uh, showing drier. And then we, our El Nino winters are typically can be drier than average. And 
and maybe like low snowfall, especially in the valleys. So I think what's, when the atmosphere starts feeling the effects of El Nino, I think for us, it means uh, the potential for, you know, drier spring, late spring, and potential for maybe some uh, thunderstorm activity in the middle of the summer. So we could potentially have a fire season, especially with if there's existing uh, drought conditions. And uh, But then what I'm seeing in the data is that some of these transition years, sometimes we can get these cold fronts coming out of the West that can really not stop the fire season but or, or halt the fire season, but maybe uh, dampen things a little bit so that, uh, things are not burning as fast. Uh, you know, some of these transition years, I'm, I'm seeing the data, uh, even multiple uh, weather fronts coming out of the West that could uh, be a sign for, you know, uh, not as busy fire season towards the tail end. Well, let's hope, right? <laughs> Um, the Summer Outlook Report will be posted to the National Weather Service in Missoula's YouTube channel uh, towards the end of this month. So, Dave, thank you for your time. Yeah, take care. Noble said their report will be posted to YouTube and other social media pages towards the end of May. To see past climate and weather data, current reports, and more, check out the National Weather Service Missoula Forecast Office website. The Daily Interlake is online and in your community, reporting on what's happening in the Flathead Valley. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to see the latest. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel to never miss a News Now or Sports Now podcast episode. Here's a look at what events are coming up this weekend. A tea party and a tour of the historic Conrad Mansion is happening to celebrate Mother's Day. Tea times will be at 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. on both Saturday and Sunday. Guests will be treated to a tour of the entire Conrad Mansion while learning about Kalispell's founding mother, Letty Conrad. Attendees are encouraged to dress in tea party attire. The tea party and tour is limited to 32 people per time slot and will last about two hours. Reservations are required. Tickets are $45 per adult and $30 per child and are available for purchase by calling 406-755-2166. And the first ever card show is taking place in the Valley at the Flathead County Fairgrounds this weekend as well. There will be tables of treasures from sports cards to TCG products. They will also have coffee and donuts available. This event is set for every age and collector and takes place Saturday and Sunday beginning at 9 a.m. Find live music, art classes, and everything going on in your community by visiting our online events calendar. For organizers and business owners out there, it is super easy and free to post your events at dailyinterlake.com slash events. Thanks for joining us. News Now is a new podcast from the Daily Interlake. We're proud to be the largest news gathering operation in the region and the oldest newspaper in the Valley. Consider becoming a subscriber to support our work. Call circulation at 406-755-7018 or go to the Manage Subscription tab on the top right corner of our website. Everybody stay safe and have a great week.